Hello, and welcome to the MXU Worship Podcast hosted by Stephen Brewster. Each episode features great conversations between Stephen and all kinds of worship leaders, from the most prolific songwriters from prominent churches to folks you may have never heard of. Either way, we hope that these resources and conversations will encourage, equip, and empower you to be the best worship leader you can be. Make sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast, too, so you can stay up to date on all of our episodes and other resources. Welcome to the MXU Worship Podcast. Anna, how are you doing today? Oh my gosh, I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, ex- I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. This. I'm excited. I didn't tell you this before, but when Nick reached okay. out to me, I have been listening to your music for like a long time. Like I heard your music wow. back like maybe 2017, a first song. Shut up. And I was like, oh. I don't know who this person is, but they are awesome. And so... I've been like low key fanboying for a while, and so That's so, nice. so uh, I was when he text when he emailed me and said, "Hey, would you guys want to talk?" I was like, "Heck yeah, I want to talk to Anna. I want to. I got to see what this is all oh about." God. So. That's amazing. 2017. So you're probably like, that's like what, like take me there or yeah, something like that. I think yeah. Wow. Take me there was okay. probably like the first one. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. I love it. So now you got to tell us where you are today because you have some really dope pictures behind you. Okay. This is actually a funny story. Okay. I'm at my house right now. Okay. Um, I just got back from sabbatical. So at the beginning of July, I always take like a small sabbatical. It's my birthday month, you know. Happy birthday. Um, thank you for that. I, I, I needed that, you know, I always yeah. put that in just, there. Just, just to get the response. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Just to get a little bit of response there. So, um, yeah, I'm 27 now. Crazy. But so just got back from sabbatical. My sister calls me. I live with my sister. This is my house. And she's like, I had an idea and I just kind of did it. And I was like, what do you mean? Oh, she's gosh. like, I did a gallery wall downstairs. Mind you, I normally take calls like in my studio, mm-hmm. but I was like, mm-hmm. Today, I was like, you know what? I guess we're just going to be in front of the gallery wall. I don't love this. I don't love little dog painting. Okay, me, so but... y'all, if you do, like, you can't see it, but there is a dog <laughs> dressed in like some kind of military, old military yeah, outfit like with, a tur- with a turtleneck. It's pretty, I mean, it's eccentric, but I like it, you know? <laughs> it's, it's cool. It is. I'm more of like a, a modern art kind of person, so this was definitely giving TJ Maxx, but <laughs> I <laughs> I love it. You know, it's kind of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So your home is in Dallas, Texas now. Yeah. Tell us a little bit, like give for those two or three people in the entire world who don't know about you, tell us the, how did you get to Dallas? Cause I know there's a, a pretty big story behind that. Yeah. So basically I've worked in full-time ministry for the last 10 years Um, and I've always grown up in church, so I've always been planted in churches. Um, and in 2020, I transitioned off staff at a church in South Carolina and there was a church in Baltimore that I was working with pastors named Jimmy and Irene Mm -hmm. Rollins, just amazing people. I love them so much. Um, and they were like merging their church with another church because at first I thought I was going to move to, um, Baltimore, which would have been so crazy. Um, but I, I basically have always built my life around honestly being planted in church. I've been really fortunate that I get to travel and lead 
But my greatest joy is being able to like build a team and like talk to people and be able to like serve people and raise up new leaders and worship leaders. Like that's truly my favorite place to be. So I was like, okay, so we're not going to Baltimore. He's like, listen, there's a church, there's a church in Dallas. And he's like, I just see you there. Like, I love them so much. You would click with them like nothing else. And I'm like, okay. At this point I'm like, didn't know what to expect. Right. Earl and Onika, who are the pastors of my church, shout, gave shout a, out to Earl McClellan, the literal greatest people of like ever. I get a FaceTime call from them, and they're like, "Hey, we want you to come in. We want you to come in for like five days." And I'm like, "Normally, when you come in, we worship. It's like <laughs> five <laughs> it's hours. Not five days. Yeah, it's like it's not five days." So I was like, "Oh, they had never had a worship guest ever yeah. like come to their church before." Um, and I was like, okay, uh, sure. We can do that. Like come in for rehearsal. Like we just want to spend time with you. Um, and I just remember on the phone calls, like, I love them so much. If and you know, Earl, like something I love about them so much is they're 100% spiritual and love the Lord. And they're 100% like the most fun, like life giving, Absolutely. like the balance of them is like something that I glean from so much. And I was like, oh wait, like you guys have a church and you smile and you have fun and like right. you're not like boggled down by life. Right. <laughs> it's like, wow. So um, I show up and I remember <laughs> going to dinner with them. Like I land, I go out to dinner with them and Earl's like, you know, we're not trying to like offer you a job. We don't want you to be overwhelmed. I know you have a lot of job offers right now. We just want to like pour into you and love you. And, and um, it's like, you're going to come to our church and everybody's going to seem like too good to be true because they're so kind. But I promise you that's like who they are. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. So then I walk in and it's literally that just like complete kindness and love. And I was a part of the rehearsal next day, sat with Earl and Anika on their couch pretty much the entire day going through life stories and everything. And then Saturday morning, <laughs> I get a call from Earl and he's like, so we are going to offer you a job. We do feel like you're That's supposed to be here. So Earl. <laughs> I know. I was like, wow. And uh, that Sunday morning, he actually spoke a message. I talk about this on my record. There's like a sound bit mm-hmm. before a song called Manasseh. Um, and he spoke this message and he had a suitcase and boxing gloves on. And he talked about how that's how we are in ministry a lot. And he had the suitcase because it's actually something with foster children when after they get adopted long after they don't unpack their suitcase, cause they're so used to things changing right. so quickly and they don't know what it's like to have a home. And then he's like, and then we have these boxing gloves on cause we're always on the defense and we're ready to just, we're ready for the fight. And he's like, I look out in this congregation and I see people with boxing gloves and suitcases. And I was just crying. I was like, that's me. Like, that's how I feel like I had become with ministry because there's so many things that had happened over the course of the last 10 years that really just broke my heart. Um, And I just felt the Lord just speak over me like, you're going to find healing here. And then I was going to be moving to the East Coast. And then all of a sudden I'm living in Dallas, Texas. And like, it's literally one of the greatest decisions I ever made. Like, being here and um it's so hot it's literally oh gosh, so hot it is so actually hot. hot it's like crazy but my church is like incredible i always say it's like narnia like i <laughs> literally get to live in narnia but narnia with 105 degree weather yeah i mean i it probably makes evangelism really easy because like if people <laughs> yeah. walk outside they're like oh this is actually what hell feels like so we should not go I'm like, there. You want a glimpse? Yeah. Yeah. Send your car for a minute. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> so I love that story and I love to hear the journey that you went on. 
Um, Jimmy and Irene, they are so awesome as well. Like you've obviously been surrounded with great people in your life. How has leading at a local church like impacted this new project that you just finished and you're releasing? Man, I, it really is. This entire project is just about that. Like obviously the album's called church. The album cover is me and sitting in front of shoreline here in Dallas. And, um, the entire record was recorded live at my church. So it's like, it's in the, it's the bones. (laughs) It is the veins of it. And I, I really, when the Lord gave me the vision for this album and making a resource for the church, it was to just kind of shatter this idea that I was creating songs as an artist, but more as songs that I am a worship leader. Like I, I sat down and we wrote these songs and we crafted them together from the perspective of when I sit down with Earl and we create set lists, what songs are we looking for? Like, right. what do we want to feed yeah. our congregation? Um, and that was really the lens as to which we did everything. And me being in my church specifically, this album wouldn't have come to be. Right. I mean, and it's beyond even just being planted in my church, but being planted in like healthy soil and um, having the perspective of what it's like. I think we're in a bit of an era of like, like orphan evangelists, Mm -hmm. like people who kind of create music and travel and, and um, maybe aren't planted. And it's easy to, with like the concept of deconstruction and all the things um, that we can get disconnected from that. But I really believe like, what scripture says, like those who are planted in the house of the Lord are like trees that are planted by like rivers of living water and they bear fruit in old age, which For is sure. so counterculture of like, we've been told that we like time out. And then there's like, um, you've timed out of your session and now like you're too old to do anything. I think I just love that. The Lord is like, if you're connected to me, if you're planted in my house, like you're never going to like have the glory days. Like you just right. keep getting higher higher. Um, and, and just to even remind me, there have been times in my life where I thought that I could live without being connected to a ministry Mm -hmm. that I thought I could like live without serving in church. Um, and I think that the Lord just showed me, he's like, well, what do I say about the bride? Like, if I care so much about this, why don't you care as much? And it's just kind of that taking me on that journey of really falling back in love with ministry. And what is ministry then serving other people and getting outside of yourself. I think that that's where kind of the separation, that's where the stage gets tall. That's where the stage gets big when you're not touchable, when you're not sitting down with people. Like it always could forever bring me to tears that we just have a community of people who don't get paid by this organization, who have completely full lives and children. And they wake up early on a Sunday morning and they know it's going to be hot outside. And they're working in the parking lot, waving cars in just because they love the Lord and they're honored to be there. So I, I honestly like it keeps my heart clean of like the fact that, man, we're truly just trying to help people. Like that's really the basis of ministry. And we can get caught up in all of the lights, camera action and all the drama and tabloids and whatever. But it's like, it's really just people who love the Lord who are trying to be Jesus to other people. And so I think staying connected into a house is, is really how, that perspective in me stays clean and it stays clear and just pouring in other people. And that really is all baked into this project. I love it. I believe so. I love it. So what, and this is a big question that I don't know. You, you may say, I don't know. And that's a totally okay answer. Okay. But may not know. I, I, I get to work with a lot of worship leaders and I, I notice there is that 
tendency or maybe like lurking desire to drift towards that nomad disconnected um, position. Like I still want to lead worship. I still want to operate inside of my gifting. I still want to operate inside of my anointing, but I don't want the accountability. What do you think is driving like some of that? Cause I think, I don't think it's just for artists. I think it's actually, I think a worship leader listening to this podcast right now, who's in a church of 200 people yeah. also could feel the exact same way. Totally. I, I think it's too, it's twofold a bit. There's two sides of it. I think that there is a bit of, if you especially have been in ministry a long time, and I'm not here to negate that sometimes that people's gifts can be misused and there is like pain there. Um, so I think that there is, especially in my life when I was younger, there was a bit of apprehension there because what seemed to be covering was actually control. Mm, um, and I think that for me now being able to be under healthy leadership and under people who care more about me than what's inside of me, um, it, it kind of flipped that perspective. And I also think that when I was younger, I did think accountability was control, but it's actually safety. Right. It's like a safety like the greatest gift you can give yourself in your life is someone who knows everything about right. you and who yeah. is committed to pray with you and cares, like like what I said, cares way more about what's going on inside of your heart than what you can provide. And I think that, and I do, I speak to a lot of leaders like that who are like, yeah, I, I don't have that experience. And I, and I, I'm so sorry that that's not been your experience. And I think that the way to counteract that is to replicate something else. Yeah. That the way that you love your team is you love people outside of their gift that you sow inside of people's hearts and not inside of like, you don't look at people like they're building blocks on your team. They're actually human beings who have dreams and goals and they hurt and they feel, um, and just to see the humanity side of that. But I think that that it's a, it's a big thing. It's a big thing to also, there's, there's a bit of like, I want my own way. Right. There's like a selfishness in it. Right. Like, yeah. of course there's decisions that I would make differently if I was thinking all on my own. And I think that growing up, like what I'm saying is the accountability is way safer yeah. than like just swinging without a net. <laughs> I mean, when anytime we start to put preference over purpose, we get mm -hmm. we get into big big trouble, you know. For sure. Yeah. And it's like if you're your own judge, jury, and executioner, you can get into some scary oh, spots, gosh. and you'll start believing you'll start believing that about yourself. I love I love being able to get second opinions, right. like falling in love with the idea that like the Lord didn't call us to ever do anything alone. Right. He created us differently. So we would need each other. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and there's never, he, he never even wanted to do anything alone. Like Jesus is like, I'm going to have my 12. I'm about to get crucified. Let me grab my close inner circle, sit up with me, pray with me. Like we're supposed to do life with one another. And I think that that's such a lie of the enemy to be like, your ideas are better. Like yeah. if you would just stick to like what you know inside of your head, it's like, no, uh, like William McDowell said something to me that like, literally altered my brain chemistry. And he was like, a wise man learns from others' mistakes. A fool has to make their own mistakes. Yep. And I was like, I used to be the kind of person that's like, I need to know for myself. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I have to jump off the cliff. Or I'm never going to know. Right. It's like, 
No, there are others who have, like grow up. Right. Look at all those bodies <laughs> and, down there. Is that what you yeah, really want Yeah, it's wanna... like learn from someone else. Right. Um, so that's a great gift to be able to like glean from someone else. I get to like sit and pick Roland Onika's brains and be like, so this? And they're like, no, don't do that. We made that mistake. Right, right. <laughs> Like you don't have you to don't have to do that. that anymore. We can help. We can help <laughs> yeah. you avoid that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So you started leading worship when you were seventeen, right? Well, honestly, I started leading worship when I was like a baby. I, I would say the first time I actually led worship, I was eleven years old okay. in a prayer room. So I grew up in St. Louis, okay. and there was a, a house of prayer inside of my church, yep. and um, then I was like a little kid in kids' class. I think I was like nine when like my like the kid who did worship at my kid's class was like, you sing so loud. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> and he's like, do you want to like sing with me on Wednesdays? And I was like, okay. And then that was like, you know, just being young. Right. And then when I was 11, like being able to like sit and like be in the prayer room, that's really where I learned how to be comfortable in the presence of God. And by the time I was 14, like me sitting down at the piano, two hours yeah. of just me like sitting at the piano, Nothing else going on. I don't even think anybody came to my prayer sets, but it was right. just, you know, just it, like learning. Like, Jesus did. And, yeah. Right. Man, that's so cool. <laughs> um, but so that was really where like I learned and got like my bearings yeah. and then started leading worship probably like, on Sunday mornings when I was 15. Okay. And then you had a little yeah. season where you were like drifting towards pop music. Right. <laughs> yes. So I, that was pretty much how I grew up. I grew up in a very musical family. Um, And when I was, I want to say like six years old, the first time. So my, my dad is a chiropractor, but I was also like a classical guitarist. And my mom was like a jazz singer. Okay. Okay. Both worship leaders. Um, My dad had his own chiropractic business and it kind of like took off a little bit. And it's like the first time in my life, my family like saw money and they're like, you guys are going to not know privilege. So we're going to, every summer we're going to go to Albania and we're going to build homes for orphans widows. I'm six. (laughs) So I'm like, Okay. You're like, I don't know. So the entitlements I mean, already kind of settle in. I mean, it's, it's yeah, like, I'm like, I'm like, okay. Kind of there. So I'm, and this was over my birthday every year. Oh, so gosh. every year I spend my birthday in Albania. Um, and they don't do birthday cake there. They do tiramisu. So, you know, that's what every kid okay. wants. Yeah, right. Espresso cake for, for their birthday. <laughs> yeah. At six. <laughs> so that was really exciting for me. But basically the first time we went, I remember we were, we built a home for this um, mother and her daughter. And it was like a crazy, like war stricken area inside of Kosovo. So their story was really tragic, but it was a very small house that we got to build them because they don't really tear down the ruins of the old homes that have been bombed. So we had like a small piece of land. So not a lot of people could go through the home. And my mom and my sister did, and she came out and my mom like gathered my family. And she was like, I was walking through the house and there was only one thing on the wall. And it was a picture of Britney Spears. And she was like, what would you guys do if you had that kind of influence? And then like in the movie of my life, like we get on the plane and it lands in LA and I'm in auditions. So that was like <laughs> my entire, my entire like adolescence was really like um, in the entertainment industry. When I was uh, 12, we started working with Disney and Radio Disney and touring with them and all the craziness that is that. It feels like a lifetime ago. Right. Um, so I would definitely say I've always been an artist and created all kinds of music, but my safe, like what felt so safe to me was in the walls of church. Yeah. Cause it wasn't like pressure. Cause when you're 14 and you're doing huge concerts of like 
70,000 people right. and then you do a meet and greet and little girls are crying. You don't understand it. Right. Like I, I just remember not understanding it. And I feel like the Lord gave me a revelation of like the human like is created to worship. And when it's misdirected and it's pointed at another human, it'll crush you. Right. And I just, I knew that. And at 15, I was like, I remember going to my parents and being like, I don't think I can do it anymore. And my mom was like, okay. <laughs> but um, no, That's going to be double tiramisu just, next birthday. Yeah. She's like, you know what? We're getting back to Kosovo. But I, I'll always do pop music too. Like I'll always write and record whatever, just because that's inside of me. It's just, yeah. I, I process my life through music. Like I'm the kind of artist that it's like, um, it's not really what I do. It's really who I am. Like if I'm in my spare time, like I do want to be writing and playing and producing for other people and writing for other people. Like yep. it's just so fun to me. Love it. Um, so that'll always be a part of what I do. But like my greatest like joy and heart is honestly like house of God being in church, yep. writing music for the church. Um, and really through that lens. I love it. Okay. So as a worship leader, over at Shoreline, which if you guys don't know about Shoreline, you need to check it out because it is dope and great leadership, yes. great team. God's really moving on that church in a big way. As the worship leader there, how do you define healthy community? Man, that's such a beautiful question. And I think that it's been redefined while being there. I've now realized healthy community is people who love you for who you are and who treat you as they know who you should be. That's so good. Um, and it's like, that's just a definition of prophecy. Like I've seen people, like when I first got to Shoreline, I had just, I'd gotten out of a pretty crazy ministry experience. And I remember sitting down with some of the pastors there and being like, I partially feel like I'm like, if you've ever been to our church too, it's like completely white. Like everything is white. <laughs> like the walls are white, yes. like everything. And I was like, I feel like I'm like kind of like covered in mud and I'm like holding my hands closed. Cause I'm like, man, everything's here. So perfect. Like I'm, I'm going to ruin it. And they were like, man, you walked in here like coming from fire, but you don't smell like smoke. Um, and the way that I just saw people like love me into health mm -hmm. and not like correct me into health it was such an interesting like so and they loved me like they knew who i was supposed to be like who god says i am not who i thought i was in the moment and healthy community now to me is just loving people in that way and showing up for people like the way that jesus would i mean the power of presence is so underrated yes. like like the way that we show up for people i mean if anybody on our team is sick or if anybody in our world like is going through anything, we're the first to pray. Like a healthy community is friends that literally sit down and pray with you and encourage you. Like I, I remember I was sitting in a, I was a part of a conference last year at Zoe. And I think it was Chad. I think it was Pastor Chad Beach. He was like up speaking and he was like, why don't we like pray into moments the way that we know we should? And he's like, hey guys, I don't want to get spiritual. He's like, you are spiritual. It is what right, it is. Right, <laughs> like, right. This is who you are. Like, why are we like, oh, sorry if this is weird. It's like, we're weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it is what it is. We believe that the power of prayer can completely change anything in a moment. And I really have seen that in our community. It's like, we're the first to pray. We're the first to rally yeah. around somebody. Um, and we just show up. And it also like, it's completely changed my perspective. Like ministry can be so much fun. Yeah. I think we avoid the word fun in church or happy. 
Like, we're like, happy is based on happenings. Like, we have joy. It's like, we can have joy. We can also have happiness. Right. Like, we can we also should have literally... happiness. It's like, actually kind of crazy. Um, it's like, Christians were called to have this full life. Like, an absolutely full life. Like, I look at it, like, from the lens of, if someone who doesn't believe what we believe, why would they? If we're, like, always downtrodden. Right. <laughs> right. Like, what are we talking about? That, like, no, That is not it, attractive. You know, not at all. Like we have an unshakable hope. Like I look at Jesus and how he was on the earth and people saw him and were like, wait, what? Right. Like you are so infectious. Why do you speak like you speak? Like, why are you so um, loving? Like, I just want to be around you. And I think that like, I have seen that just, I don't know, replicated so beautifully at my church. Um, and it's like shattered my concept of community. I'm like, community is like people care, like actually caring for people. Yeah. It's wild. Wild. Crazy how that works, right? So crazy. <laughs> um, so as a worship leader, a lot of times I hear worship leaders say, oh, it's hard for me to be in community because I have to lead these people. How do you balance like vulnerability with authenticity? Man, I think that it all has to do with discernment. And you, I, what I've realized in my own life is there are people that I can bleed with. And those are always people who are, are my peers and who are above me. Mm-hmm. But then there are people who that I can talk about my scars with. And that's everybody. Great. Because if I'm, if I'm bleeding on people who are under me, that's just spreading infection. And it's just getting, it's getting everybody gross, but I can like be vulnerable about the things that I know that the Lord has healed me from. Um, and I think that you just start to learn. I mean, I've made, so I, I was in charge of a worship team when I was 17. Like I was put in charge of a very large worship team, of a multi-site church at 17. I'm like, I'm sure I, I'm sure that someone is sitting on a therapist's couch talking about me. Like <laughs> I'm 17 leading people like that. Like, what are we talking about? But I'm so, so I've definitely made that mistake before. Right. I've made the mistake of like, getting too comfortable with people that I know are leading. And it's also like discerning the person that you're leading. And it's like, um, not everybody can see everything. And I think that, I think that that has to do so much too now with what I see with church hurt. And I'm like, some people are graced to be in the kitchen and some people are graced to be in the checkout line. Mm -hmm. And some people are graced to sit at a booth. Mm -hmm. And it's as a leader, it's our job is discernment to put people in what positions. And, and I think that that's where we can take on some of this as leadership in ministry and be like, Hey, I think you went to the kitchen and and I don't, I don't think you can actually understand what's going on back there. And I think we need to actually put you back outside here and help you put tablecloths on the tables, which is beautiful. You're just at a different level of access to the fire. Um, And so I think too, now with, with that, it's discernment. Anytime we have someone that comes on the team, I'm like, okay, Lord, where do you see them in the restaurant of ministry? Like, where do you see them going? Yeah. Um, so yeah. to me, I think there's such a beautiful balance in all of that. I think you should always be vulnerable. You should never speak out of something that right. you haven't gone through. Like to me, um, I, I really appreciate that. And I try to lean as much as I can into vulnerability. But I think that there's also a level of you don't get up and it's like, all right, I just did this. And this is right. something that I'm struggling with. It's like, it's like you're scary. Right, man. right. We can't <laughs> follow you like, anymore. You're, yeah. you're tripping us. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like at the end of the day, you are the one, you're the tour guide. Right. And if the tour guide is like, hey, I'm scared. I wish you could care and I'm freaking out. Right. It's like, all right, go to your supervisor. Right. <laughs> Tell everybody on the tour. Right. So that's there's awesome. just let them do it. That's awesome. I think too, like, I, we walked through a really crazy season in ministry. I think everyone who's in ministry probably has. Ours sure. ours was pretty traumatic. And um, I think there's a big difference between recognizing like the, there's a difference in church hurt that the church didn't hurt you. Like as the, as an organization and an institution, very rarely did God's bride hurt you. People yeah. who are responsible to steward that definitely hurt you. That is real. But the church itself didn't hurt you. And I think when you're able to make that that separation, it helps make it more comprehensible. And it probably shortens your your counseling by about four sessions. So <laughs> oh, 100%. Save a little bit of money. At least mine. That it's so real. I I had to draw that separation. I I always say that I feel fortunate that the Lord draw that line drew that line for me when I was younger. Um, and I just kind of see it now of like, as a leader, how do I steward that well with other people? Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, if we're all climbing a mountain and we're all connected to one person's line and their line gets cut, we all fall. Right. But if it's like, if the person who's conducting the climb is like, Hey, connect to the mountain. This is actually what you're going to be right. your source. It's not going to be me. That's so good. Um, then, then when leaders fall, when people are people and make mistakes, it doesn't wipe out a community. 100%. Um, and I think that that's something of just bringing, connecting people back to Jesus too, of everything. Like uh, something I love too about Earl and Onika. I remember uh, it was a couple months ago, we were just talking through some stuff that was going on in my life. And I was like, okay, hang up the phone for 30 minutes, go pray, go worship, call us back. Yeah. And I was like, he could have tried to navigate all of those things for me mm -hmm. on that call. But he was like, hey, no, hear from Jesus and then talk to us and we'll come back together and both collectively feel like what he's saying. I and I, I think that to me, that just helps. It helps people draw the line of you're connecting with Jesus. So when someone does hurt you, when someone does fall, it doesn't have to take you out too. Yeah. Um, and and like, yeah, I've experienced, I've experienced, I could write crazy books right, <laughs> about the right. church of like things that have happened. Um, and it's just getting back up and realizing like, Hey man, people are so people. And I'm, and I'm glad that I don't have to, I don't know everything. I don't, I'm not getting every repercussion that I could have ever had. Right. So I don't want that to happen to someone else too. And also just seeing people from the lens of grace, like, man, yep. it's tough. Yeah. And extend grace to the level you would want it extended to you, you know, for sure. Like, for sure. Okay. Let's talk about your record. <laughs> when when you obviously you wrote this record it was very influenced by your season at, at shoreline and kind of how you've found community there what do you hope people hear when they hear the record man i hope they hear jesus in these songs and scripture through it and and kind of like there's a bit of a nostalgic feel to it i believe too that it's not really intensely creative or um intricate but it's 
it's simple mm. in the way that the gospel is simple. Um, and, and a heart behind a lot of the creation of these songs is I wanted everything to be able to be boiled down to a guitar or a piano. Like the actual average church in America is 200 people and they see about 75 people on a Sunday and they have no staff. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, which is so crazy. I'm, we're like, I'm so fortunate that I get to be a part of a church with incredible resource right. and incredible influence. And we get to make all these things. And I think that's incredible. Um, but of something that I really wanted to focus on this record is to be accessible for everyone, even as part of like the set design of what we did on the night. Like we have so many incredible things at our church, but I was like, we need to cover up the LED wall. I'm like, we're going to hang pipe and drape. Wow. Cause I'm like, I want, I want other churches too, to see something and be like, we can recreate that. Yeah. Like that's, that's easy for us. Um, and really just make it, make it a resource. Yep. Like I want people to hear these songs and be like, we could do this. Yep. Like our church could do this too. Um, even though we don't run stems or we might not have a drummer this right. Sunday because this baby was sick. You know no. what I mean? It's like the reality of what it looks like to be in normal ministry. Right. Well, and that's what, I mean, it's so funny you say that. And I love that you said it because I, every time I'm get, I get the opportunity to have a conversation with somebody on our podcast, I always try to bring it back to that place of like, yeah. you know, because we live in this world that is not what most people live in. And, you know, the, the guy or girl who's bivocational to church and they're hoping they can get a set list before Saturday, you know, like, I love that. Yeah. And I love that, the, that you wrote a record with that intention, with that in like, as like the, the, the precept of how you want this to be received. You know, that's really cool. Tell me, um, obviously you're a, an artist and a songwriter, so you can't have favorites, but what's your, like today, what's the song that impacts you the most on this record? Man, I feel like I just answered this question too. And I'm well, that like, means I it think was a it bad made, question then. I so. think it maybe even changed it. I <laughs> know. I'm like, I feel like I love that question because it literally like my, my heart just switches up and like, it, every hour. Um, I, I would say, man, one that's super intimate to me is the song called Manasseh. Mm. And it's really my experience in church and through worship and through my church. And the heart behind it really was, uh, my dad actually came and visited my new church and he's seen everything. My dad is literally like Jesus to me. He's the first person that I ever saw Jesus through. Wow. And, um, he was walking through the halls and my favorite story in the entire Bible is of Joseph. Cause I mean, he just, he was, loved the Lord and was like the way he operated in forgiveness when he had every right to not. And, um, like all these crazy things happened to him. And then he ends up, you know, seemingly on top after literally such a crazy life, like 13 years of psychoticness. He now is like second in command and the Lord gives him two children. And the first one being named Manasseh, which means to forget the suffering of my father's household. Um, and then he has another son named Ephraim to make me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And when my dad came to visit, he walked through the halls of the church and he just came up to me crying. He's like, Anna, this is your Manasseh. And I think that it was so impactful wow. to me because being somewhere that was so healthy and being somewhere that... Um, it really just healed so many cracks in my heart. Not only did I get to let it all go and forgive the things that happened to me, I, I genuinely 
forget about it. Like it's, it's not something I don't have to walk with that limp anymore within ministry. I didn't think I could ever look um, at a church again with doe eyes the way that I do now, that I get nervous before I lead, that like it gives me butterflies, that I'm like picking on my outfit on Saturday nights again. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I never thought that the Lord could restore back to that place. So that song to me is, is so special. Um, and it's really just God's kindness just articulated. One of the lyrics um, in the song that I love so much is it says that you've traded all my traumas for vantages of grace. Mm-hmm. And like traumas are things that we we navigate through, but we often don't see healing from, especially if you've ever been like in counseling, that's something that you talk about. And I just love that the Lord was like, no, I'm, I'm going to trade that. Like I'm going to trade the trauma and the things that you unfortunately had to experience are now vantages of grace that when you see someone else walking through that, you can speak into it and you have power in that area and you can have grace for someone walking in that season. Um, And I just think that's just like the beauty of who the Lord is that he constantly is doing that. I love it. That is, so so good i mean i we i don't even know how you go to another question there but i think we probably (laughs) have to um you had some 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 friends co-write some of these songs with you do you prefer co-writing or writing on your own that's a great question i love both i constantly so Manasseh is one that I wrote on my own Mm -hmm. and then i think that might be the only one that ended up being a solo right on my record because um, I think that collaboration is stunning. There are people who like, I think if I wrote every single song by myself all the time, it's probably going to start to lean the same way or sound a little bit similar, but I love bringing other people. Like some of my favorite collaborators on this record, like Rita Springer is one of my absolute favorites. She wrote so many songs with me on this and she's also featured on it. Um, and Bede, uh, who was actually my co-producer, and he wrote so many songs with me I on this as Bede. well. He's li- literally the best, the best guy in like the whole world. The best. Like he honestly, this is as much his album as it is mine. Love it. Um, and so he was involved in so much. A girl named Jesse Early, mm-hmm. who's an unbelievable songwriter. Um, so I, I definitely feel like I have my people that I love collaborating with. I'm. Um, I don't know if I'm like, as I'm getting older, I'm like, I just love the people that I work with. I need to probably open my gates a little bit more, but um, there's something so special about like having such deep connections with people and then being able to like process through what the Lord's doing in our lives together and then um, creating something together. So I think like the collaboration side of it is stunning to me. That's so cool. Now you, you found your people and you know, writing songs is a chemistry experiment. Every time you walk in the room, it's like, am I going to yes. click with these people and am I not? And I have totally. this like weird expectation that I'm supposed to. Um, who's wh- <laughs> And if I don't, am I a terrible writer? Am I terrible? <laughs> then like, right. Then you're insecure. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. Um, you never get over it. No. No one ever gets over it either. <laughs> N- never. So if, if there was one person you could write worship songs with that you haven't, who would it be? Um, I would say one of my all time, just like favorites, one of the most influential worship, anything in my life was Michael W. Smith. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if we would like, if it would be a right or what it would look like, but I like collaboration wise, like 
that I remember watching him. It was like a live worship video. My dad used to have it in his practice, like on repeat. Yeah. And he's like at that huge grand piano. that's like colorful. And it's like his worship one album worship, yeah. like everything. And I'm like, like that just, I watched that and I was like, I want to lead worship on the piano. Like yeah. I loved it. And so simple and it was just stunning. And I like gleam from that so much. So I probably, honestly, probably Michael Davies. I love that. <laughs> it's like a, I love that. a fave. Okay. If you are listening to our podcast right now, we have one more question. Then you're going to hit pause and you're going to go listen to Anna's record. Okay. That's the homework that everyone has to do. Go listen to it. Go. Share it on socials. Make sure that you <laughs> like, it is special. It is really, really cool. And I love the beauty of the simplicity of, of this project. It's really cool. Thank you. Um, as we are closing, you know, you've, you've walked through some crazy seasons of ministry and life and you're at a beautiful place now. Um, yeah. A lot of people listening to our podcast today are not at that place yet. What would you yeah. tell someone or how would you encourage someone who's not at a place like Shoreline? They're still at that place where maybe, maybe it's manipulation, maybe it's unhealth, maybe it's just not a great situation. How would you encourage them in ministry today? Man, first of all, I would say keep going. Um, don't stop that the, you are paving the way for others mm. and don't replicate what you're experiencing. Like when you're in the position where you're not seeing what you know you should be seeing, I think that so many times the Lord is wanting to do it through you. What I love about the story of Joseph is when his family comes back and he brings them into his home and he looks at them and he's so overwhelmed. First, he has to turn away. And then he's like, guys, come, come close to me. And he's like, it's me. It's Joseph. Like I'm your brother. And they're like, oh my God, he's going to kill us. (laughs) He's like, oh God, this is going to be crazy. And he's like, no, what happened to me actually not only provided for me and my family, but it made me able to provide for you. And I think if we see when we're hurt at the hands of others, that the Lord could still be doing something with inside of us, not only to make our lives better and provide for us, but it actually could heal your leader. It actually could heal the person who's hurting you. It gives you a completely different perspective. And it's not to negate that things happen that are not okay. And you have to you have to know when the Lord's calling you to move, when the Lord's leading you somewhere else for your own safety, for your own health. But I think that there's always someone who's underneath you who's watching. Mm-hmm. There's someone that you're protecting too. There are seasons where I was like, Lord, I need to be out of here. And he was like, this isn't about you. Yep. This is yep. about the team of people that you're actually covering from someone who might be the toxic leader that's above you. Mm-hmm. So it's like seeing that and being like, Lord, what is it that you want me to do right now in this season? And to know that there's nothing wasted and that every single battle or moment is like another badge on your little Boy Scout vest that in your next season, like I am so grateful for, I learned probably more from the ministries that were unhealthy than healthy because I learned what not to do. And I got to like, gain all of these weapons for my arsenal. And now like I'm sitting from a place of like, been there, done that. I can speak into that. I fought for freedom in that area. Um, And I think that once you can start seeing every one of those moments and trials of like, okay, once I get through this and I conquer this, like um, I talk about this too, like I once was engaged and I called off an engagement and it was a whole thing. And I'm like, 
And that moment, I thought that was so difficult. But now I'm like, there are girls on our team who have had to do the same thing. And I'm like, you know what? I can I can sit in this with you. I've been there with you. Like we can fight for freedom in this area because I've, I've, I've already conquered it. So um, seeing things from that perspective really changes everything. And then also like, man, staying at the feet of Jesus. Remind, remind yourself what scripture says about the church. Remind yourself what, how much the Lord loves ministry. Read through the book of Revelation and see how much the Lord cares about his church. <laughs> You'll be shocked. Right? <laughs> You're like, oh, 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 he does love my leader that I can't stand. That, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, right. oh, okay, okay. Even though I can't stand them right now, he still loves them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, he believes the best in them like he does in me. Oh so good it's so so good um anna thank you for taking time today thank you for being obedient to make the record you made it's going to really touch a lot of people and i can't wait to hear the stories that come out of it and for taking time to just talk to us today it was really really cool oh my god i'm so grateful thank you for having the conversation literally so so excited can't wait for everybody to hear these songs like it's it's like overflowing from my heart i'm so excited (laughs) love it love it thanks so much